Welcome to the Planning Parent Podcast, where we talk to real parents and professionals about solutions and strategies to minimize the hustle and bustle that we parents face daily. This is a place where you will come to listen, learn, and share about all things parenting. I am your host, Krista Hermance. I am a busy mom to two little girls, a wife and estate planning attorney with a focus on families with minor children, an entrepreneur, scuba diver, and golf hobbyist. My passion is helping families create simplicity and bliss in their everyday lives. Welcome to our show. I am joined with Michelle Gams. Michelle Gams is a parent coach and psychotherapist with a degree from the University of Notre Dame. After 20 years of coaching parents, a simple philosophy emerged, which she turned into the book, Stay Away from Option D. It gives parents permissions to be faulty parents while still bringing peace to your home. No perfection required. She hosted the podcast Parent Ed, shares tips on YouTube's bloopers included, offers an online four-week course, redirecting children's behaviors, and loves coaching parents. Thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us. Hello. Thank you. So I originally started following you on Instagram and I saw your posts on there and I just thought, I mean, your book alone, Stay Away From Option D is just such a catching title that I think, okay, well, what is that? I'm very excited to share you with the listeners today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay. So we're in an intentional parenting series and... What I would like to talk to you about is intentional parenting in stressful situations. Those are often. They are. Okay, so first question is, how do we not react or snap at our children? Is it possible? Is it possible? It is possible. So first of all, way to go on this topic and this series because parents are tapped out tapped out. So any resources they get is really helpful. Okay. Cause we're, we're dropped into this job, the hardest job we have of parenting and we never got any classes on it. We just got the class to get them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's a stressful thing. <laughs> it's a stressful thing that very highly educated people are like, I have no idea how to do this. I have no idea how to do this. So we can all learn is my point. Like we're all capable and we can all learn. Okay, so how do we not react to our kids? So when you reference the book that I wrote, Stay Away From Option D, option D is harm, okay? And so all we're trying to do is staying away from harming our children, okay? Harming our children meaning hitting them, humiliating them, yelling at them, shaming them. Those would, in my opinion, would all be considered harming them. So that leaves three other options, three other options. The one that you're asking me right now about is option C, which is how do we not react to our children? That's option C. Option C is do no harm. Option C is shut up yourself, walk away, breathe, pause. Like it's like there's a pause button in the middle of our foreheads because if we can hit our pause button right there and pause for one second, pause an eternity, then we will no longer react it will be a response. Responses have thought, reactions have none. They're the things we regret the minute we say them. The minute we, when we lay our head down on the pillow at night, we regret that thing because we did not pause. So option C is pause. Take the time you need because most things are not urgent to address. Most things are not life altering. If it's life altering, freaking react. But otherwise, 
parents feel pressure to react and you don't have to. You can take your own sweet time to figure out how, what I'm going to do with that. And I, I was like, I used to say, I'm the elephant that never forgets, you know, because I'm like, oh yeah, remember what you did to your brother this morning? We still have to talk about that. You know, like it's not urgent in the, more, in the moment unless it's about safety. Okay. So how do we not react? So option C, it is our responsibility. We're trying to stay away from D and do whatever you need to do in your pause. Because Krista, I want to remind all of us parents, and this is not a message that is culturally said out there much. Okay. I'm a hundred percent, 100% responsible for what I say and what I do. You are a hundred percent responsible for what you say and what you do. Your child is a hundred percent responsible for what they say and what they do. We get the message out in our world that if you yell at me, now I can yell back at you. If you hit me, oh, now I can hit you back. I don't buy that. That's not what I teach. That's not what I believe. I believe you hit me, that's on you, man. If I hit you back, that's on me. You yell at me, that's on you. If I yell back at you, that's on me. We all have to stand in our own integrity. And so I just want you to know I am 100% responsible for whatever I'm doing to my child. I don't care what they're doing. I'm 100% responsible. That's why option C is vital for us to know you have that option. And I can tell you when I have lost my God-loving mind or whatever it is, I, I literally locked myself in a bathroom or a bedroom because that's better than whatever I was going to be saying or doing outside of that room. And there were kids crying outside that door and they were safe, but it's better than whatever I would be saying or doing outside of that door. So I just, I just have to start with that part. Hey, if you are enjoying our show, please make sure to subscribe to the Planning Parent podcast and join our community on Facebook at The Planning Parent, where we share resources, you can interact with our guests, you can share your experiences and be part of our parenting community. Now back to our show. Okay. Yep. I like it. I can, I can see myself in very specific situations where that would be helpful to me. Option C is still great parenting because we're not doing D. And I have parents walk in all the time. And they're like, Michelle, I didn't do D. I'm like, yes. yes. <laughs> That's the goal. The goal is staying away from D. It's not A, which is perfect. And, you know, doing the 10 out of 10, that's not the goal. Sometimes we can do that. B is the good enough. The six out of 10, five out of 10, eight out of 10, given the context of everything you have going on, that's good enough parenting. B is great, stellar parenting. So is C. Doing no harm is stellar parenting because all we're trying to do is stay away from option D. And the very first quote that I wrote in that book was about the Dalai Lama. And he said, if you can't love each other, at least don't harm each other. And that's all just staying away from harming these kids. Okay. Okay. Well, um, so I want to go back to something you said, and I, I just want to make sure it's very clear to the listeners because I think it, it's, it's a good thing to understand. I want to make sure I have it clear because I don't think I do. So it was when you react or when you respond, there's a difference, right? And one is something that you can regret. Can you, can you clarify that one more time? Yes. So reactions have no thought. They're built into us. It's like fight, flight, or freeze. We're built in to react for safety reasons. However, 
we often regret what we say or what we do because they have there is no pause between the stimulus and what we say or do. If we can pause between our children fighting or our children, you know, responding disrespectfully or whatever it is our child's doing, the stimulus, if we can pause in that moment, if we can breathe, if we can walk outside, if we can count to 10, if we can count backwards, if we can breathe in and out our nose three times deeply, you will activate your parasympathetic nervous system. If we can do that, and then you can access the rest of your brain, not just the reptilian part that's the reactive part, but you can access the rational parts that have all these ideas of what you could do, then it's a response, not a reaction. Responses have thought, reactions have none. So this whole thing of reactive parenting is when you're in when you're in a state of reactive parenting where it's all survival mode, it's usually ugly. Mm-hmm. Yes, agreed. It's ugly. I mean, you don't you don't feel good about yourself. You don't feel good. They don't feel good. It's it's a survival, and there's a lot of that going on because of so many distractions. So it's it's being more considered and proactive and learning. And that anyway, that's what that's that's the whole concept of stay away from option D is to learn what the A's are. So that you have them uploaded in your head so you have any any opportunity to actually implement them when you're calm enough to implement them. But otherwise, we only know we only know what was done with us if we don't have any more A's put up into our head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I talk about that a lot with parents now in a lot of these things, especially for this podcast series, is how we were raised so differently than how we want to be with our kids. Right. And I mean, like I'm the same way. And a lot of the parents that I talk to, it's they weren't raised the way that they want to treat their kids. And so it's just this, it's a very different type of situation that they're in. It's kind of all new territory because it's, you know, in that, in that reaction, we go to what we know. Right. And so it's, it, it makes so much sense. Whereas if we pause, we can think logically and then we don't have that regret. Right. I can think of five on my hand right now within the last week where, you know, things that were said because it reacted in the moment. So I love all of this. I love all of it. Good. And I agree with you, Krista. We are tapped with raising our children differently than we were raised. And why is that? Because we know so much more about the brain. We know so much more about child development. And so it's no longer just do what I say because I said so. That's not a sufficient answer to your child. That's that's left with a remnant of authoritarian parenting. Autocratic parenting is is very outdated, where all the power rests with the parent, and the child has no power because children need power too. Yes, agreed. Easiest way to give power is choice. They need choices, not all. They just need some. Yeah. So my daughters are five and seven, and I catch myself all the time trying to tell my five year old to do something, and I know she is my my toughest right? She is my toughest. And so before I even get to that point, I will rephrase and say, here are your choices, right? What would you like? And it's just, it's, I'm, I am depleting that battle that I know is coming up because I'm giving her the choice, right? Where she gets to choose and it's her option. So I, that's probably one of the biggest parenting, like positive things that I've implemented in communicating with my kids in, in just giving those choices rather than telling him to do this right? Do this, do this. Good for you. It meets the need of power for a child. There are five needs they're trying to get met. Belonging, love, power, special valued and important, and experimentation, exploration. It's meeting the third need of power because a child needs power too. And so 
choice is the easiest way. I can literally talk for two and a half hours about power. So <laughs> it's it's a normal human need. Two-year-olds need power. Teenagers need power. Every child needs power. So to just command them to do whatever you say, and you wonder why they're not doing it, they're not doing it because of that need of power. Nobody likes to be told what to do, including your child, because it activates their need for power too. So it's not, oh, well, you're my kid. You should just listen to me. It doesn't work like that. They need power too. So giving them choice is respectful. I agreed. Yeah. All those choices. Are all of those mentioned in your book too? Yes. The the five needs that's foundational because once you look at your kids through that lens of those five needs, you soften because it's no longer personal to you. Oh, they're doing this to me. It isn't about you. They're just trying to get their needs met. It's not personal. How do we find those stressful triggers that create these reactions in ourselves and our children? Stressful triggers. So on the adult part of that, the answer on the adult part of that question is we get triggered all the time and that's about us. And if it's like, I like the zero to 10 scale, you know, if we react in the 10 range and it's really like the situation warrants a three or four or five, (laughs) that's about us. There's that saying, if it's hysterical, it's historical, you know? And so the real question is, What's the common denominator feeling that you're having right now that you're getting triggered with? Because doing our own work as parents is the greatest gift you can give your child because you will stop getting triggered all day long if you do your work and on yourself and learn what those are, because then your 10 will get dialed back down to like a four or five or three, whatever the situation warrants. So those, again, are about us, us being 100% responsible for what we say and what we do that whole trigger thing. And one of my favorite quotes about parenting is who you are speaks so loudly. I can't hear anything that you're saying. (laughs) Who you are speaks so loudly. I can't hear anything that you're saying. So your children are watching you. So it doesn't matter what you're saying to them. It's what you're doing that they're watching. So if you are reacting big, then they learn to react big. If you're calmly taking your time to like do see exit pause breathe whatever and say i just need a minute i'm gonna be over like what look at what that's modeling that oh oh you can take them oh then i need to take a minute too when you do those like it's like they learn that i like this acronym too krista it's great for teenagers too but really adults and children it's called halt hungry angry lonely tired Am I hungry? And obviously, am I or my child? So you're asking about triggering situations. Am I hungry? Are they hungry? Am I angry? Are they angry? Lonely? Tired? Because those are kind of diagnostic, foundational things. So it's not really, my kid is, is stressed out. or do, It's like, wait a minute, have they eaten? Have they slept? Do they need to connect? You know, if you want to change a child's, uh, your kid's age, smaller kids, if you want to change their moods, add water, okay? A bath, a puddle, a pool, their mood changes immediately. You know, they're not lonely. They're, they're like connected to this. If you want to change a teenager's mood, the lonely thing, add a friend. Changes the whole mood. Change, they change immediately. So it's it's sometimes those things. Lonely, like I need to connect Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yes. I, I see this a lot in my little one. Again, she's my the one that challenges me more. And it's it's usually the uh, hungry or tired, which makes her very angry <laughs> in any right. situation. And, 
<laughs> yes. It's just like my daughter like ate like a bird. My son ate like a snake. So I had these two range, you know, like he'd eat large, warm, not often. She would eat small and frequent. So by the time she would come home from school, I would say, Grace, you just need, here, here's the spoonful of peanut butter. Like before we even start talking, because that's going to be part of the issue right there before any, it's like, and so then the older she gets, she knew, okay, mom, yeah, I got to get some protein as soon as I come up because we're going to eliminate that as a problem right here before we start in with any kind of transition. So hungry, angry, lonely, tired affects mood and stress. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. I know. I, I mean, even for us, right. You know, if you're, if you're hungry, you're not in a good mood. Right? Totally. Yeah. Right. <laughs> angry. Yes. You are angry. Yes. Yes. So, and I mean, and why wouldn't it be the same for kids? Right. Exactly. And bigger, right. Especially with the, with the response level. I love that because I, I can just imagine the zero to 10, right. And something that I would absolutely look at like a three and I see people responding at an 11 and I'm like, why, like, why, why do you have to respond this way when it's a three or lower and you're responding at an 11, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the common denominator is the feeling that you're feeling in that moment. It's diagnostic for us adults to go, oh, I'm feeling powerless right now. The history part is where I felt powerless, where that wound is. Those, that as a, I'm talking to you as a therapist right now, because that's the work to figure out that. Because once you heal and quiet that, then you stop in your current life reacting so big. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I have one more question for us, for you. Okay. How do we teach our kids to handle stressful situations? What can we do to prepare them? Okay. Offer them stressful situations. Okay. I know that sounds maybe counter. So first of all, let me, let me say we have to override our instincts here because we are wired instinctually to protect our children. Okay. That's wired in. Mm -hmm. It's needed. That's we need. It's mama bear instinct. That, that's needed, okay? So we got to get them to adulthood. However, if that's all we're using, if, if we're only acting on those instincts, you are handicapping your children. Because if you're rescuing them and you're protecting them all the time, they are not developing the, the muscles required for them to function in the world. So in order for them to handle stressful situations, we need to offer them stressful situations. And that is stellar parenting. Get out of their way. Do not save them. Pretend like, imagine that your kid is on the basketball court or they're in the arena and you're on the bleachers, man, and your job is to coach them about how to handle that bully. You're to coach them how to speak to their teacher. You're going to coach how to handle their mean girl situations. And if it's beyond their abilities after they're managing it, then we step in, but not to rescue them because otherwise you're robbing them of an opportunity to build muscles. And so I know it's counterintuitive and you have to turn down your own fears and your own anxieties and all of that because they need to build it. So we, we have to allow them to get uncomfortable so that they feel capable. They have to go through that. The unconscious is going to try to keep us all in the familiar, them and you keep it familiar. Cause that's safe. You don't grow there. You don't grow in the familiar. You have to get out of the familiar to grow and you grow in discomfort and you are allowing your child to be in discomfort runs counter to a lot of parents right now. Oh no, I don't want my kid. To, I just want to be happy. I'm like, I want to tell all of you parents that is not the goal. Happy is not the goal. 
because we are messing our children up by sending them this message that happy is the goal. Happy is simply one feeling, and we are get we get messed up with the Constitution because everyone has the right to pursue happiness. I'm like, mm-mm. The goal is to be able to tolerate and feel all the feelings, not just happy, because then kids think there's something wrong with them when they're not happy. Mm, yeah. All the feelings are good. All the feelings. So how do we teach our kids to handle stressful situations? Allow them to be in them and be their coach, guide, consultant about how to handle them. Well, my daughter was three when she was being bullied and I'm talking to her about how to handle it. And yes, I could easily go in and rescue. I'm like, but that's robbing her of an opportunity to grow herself and handle other kids that she was being bullied by in the future because there will be. Yes. Allow them to grow in discomfort. Don't save them. It's hard. It's, they're not popular opinions, but but it's it's. I'm just I'm, I don't I don't tell people what they want to hear, Krista. I just tell them what is true. <laughs> well, it makes sense. I mean, it absolutely makes sense that um, these are the things that are going to help them grow. And you know, if we want our kids to know that it's okay to have feelings that are not just happiness, which of course you want them to know that it's okay to have sadness or frustration, but how to be able to handle them, right? That's what they need to be able to know is how to, is how to take care of them. That's right. Exactly. And that they're temporary emotions typically last 90 seconds. The job is to allow them to flow through you without trying to offload them into some kind of numbing thing. Well, let's distract or let's have ice cream or let's, no, no, it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be frustrated. And they're they're normal. It's okay to feel happy, all of them. And then we're free when we can feel all the feelings. Mm. Okay. Well, Michelle, I feel like you have given me so much information and I hope that everybody listening has gotten so much just amazing information. And I think that this is, I mean, all of this is It's just great things to take back and just start trying, right? That's all you can do is try with your kids Um, and just, you know, every day, just got to keep doing it, right? And if you, if you don't, please go check out Michelle's book, Stay Away From Option D. I am adding it to my Amazon cart after we finish this because I... I want to know about these different options now. You, I mean, the way you explained it, it makes perfect sense to me. So I, I want to see everything that's involved in there. So I'll make sure to link it in the show notes so that everybody can go get your book. Because so I think it's going to be it's going to be a great one. Well, thank you. And it's 16 chapters after the description of the the philosophy, but it's 16 chapters on what the A's are because we don't know what the A's are. So that's why you, if you can just pick whatever you want to learn about that chapter. And, and the audiobook just, just came out a couple of weeks ago. So there's an audio version now. And I did it. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. That's very exciting. That yeah, is. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Okay, so where can everybody find you? Uh, my website is michellegams.com. And same on Instagram and uh, Facebook and LinkedIn. It's my name, michellegams.com. Okay, and we'll make sure to link all that in the show notes so that people can find you and just and just get to know you and see what an amazing resource you are and all of, all of this information. So thank you again for joining me today, Michelle. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate what you're doing for all of us out there. Thank you for joining us for the planning parent podcast. 
Please make sure to subscribe, rate, write a review, and share our podcast. Please check the show notes for resources and all the ways to connect with us, including joining our community on Facebook at The Planning Parent and follow us on Instagram at The Planning Parent. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and got some great solutions and strategies to help you achieve the simplicity and bliss you deserve. And remember, take a deep breath. You do matter. You're doing a great job.